Welcome to today's edition of The Blazing Gray Show with Jason Graves, Mike Janung, and Julie Dozier. Blazing Grace covers important life-affecting issues with grace-filled answers. Here are your hosts, Jason, Mike, and Julie. It's The Blazing Gray Show. Thanks for tuning in, and you are listening here in studio with Mike Janung and Julie Dozier. Hello, my faithful trusty cohorts. Hello. You look pretty excited to be here today. <laughs> Julie's all like tan. Like, have you been to Maui or somewhere? Goodness gracious! No, no. I I hate to even tell the truth because it might not <laughs> make me look so authentic. But just 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 Houston, huh? No, okay. Oh, just a tanning bed in Houston, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, listen. We're excited to be doing this show, and Julie, we've got some special guests here today. Well, we're going to do a wives panel. So, if any of you wives are out there listening, we're going to talk about wives issues. What's it like to be somebody married to or formerly married to or maybe someday married to somebody who's dealing with sexual addiction? And so, Julie, uh, would you like to welcome your guests aboard here today? Yes. Um, I would like to welcome uh, Shanna, first of all. Uh, say hello, Shanna. Hello to everybody. <laughs> and uh, Amy. Hi. Okay. Welcome to the show, ladies. We want to go ahead and start by sort of having you share your story. So, Amy, in just a second here, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about you know where you're at, what brings you to the show today, and what you would like folks to hear about uh, about your story. Sure. Um, I was married about a year and a half and had a four-month-old baby when I found out about my husband's sexual addiction. Um, I found out by basically just asking him and um, for some reason finally got the truth out of uh, that conversation. And then we started into therapy uh, immediately. We had already had a marriage therapist, but it did take us a while, probably about six months to a year, to find the right people to help us. Mm -hmm. Six months to a year, wow. Mm -hmm. So you found out when your baby was about four months old. Right. Okay, wow. Well, we we have a four-month-old baby right now, actually. And I got to tell you, I can't imagine Mm -hmm. my wife going through all of that uh, that we've been through at this point. I mean, how did you cope being a new mother? Was that your first? It was my first child, yes. And he actually had just gone through heart surgery, so we had been through a big ordeal right after his birth as well. It was a stressful year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You said you found out by asking. Was there some sort of intuition that you sensed something wasn't right, or what, what brought that about? There was, actually. That's exactly what I said to him, was that um, that I really felt like I was still missing a lot of information. I had bits and pieces of some things here and there, but um, I told him that I just knew that I didn't know everything. And I, what I said was that I would give him an amnesty day, <laughs> that he could tell me the truth and tell me all the truth that day, that I would not... Um, divorce him or um, mm. have any huge consequences. I didn't know what I was saying at the time, but mm. didn't know what I was promising. But um, right. but we are still married, and it's been three years later. Wow. Was it, with what you feel comfortable sharing, was this porn alone, or was there other things involved? Um, there were other things. There were prostitutes, pornography, mm. um, affairs, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was compounded by multiple avenues, if you will, of, of acting out. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, I, I, you know, you said something really profound that I think we really need to encourage wives on, and that is that you trusted your gut. And I'm just wondering, uh, you know, we've all heard of women's intuition, and I'm just wondering, Amy, what would you have to say to the wife out there who might be in denial or who might not be inclined to trust her instincts? I would say pray. Mm-hmm. Definitely stay connected to God, pray, and He will affirm your discernment on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, powerful. In her book, An Affair of the Mind, Lori Hall had, I don't know, two, three, four different examples of women who the Lord just prompted and then went to their husbands and they either, the Lord either led them to a specific place or, like you, led, led them to, uh, to ask them the questions. And it just seems like I hear so often, we get the emails so often, that the wife just senses that something's wrong. Even if the husband hasn't told anything, there's no evidence found. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, follow that intuition, definitely. Right. And Amy, can you tell us a little bit about what that recovery process was like for you? For us, it was, um, we went first to our just normal marriage therapist, and she was wise enough to know that she was not equipped to deal with this situation. So she sent um, me to, well, she kind of gave me some information about some people who might be qualified to do sexual addiction recovery therapy. Um, And I went to some people at first who were secular, and they were not the right people for me. Um, Mm -hmm. My husband ended up going there as well, and he has stayed there, and it has worked for him, and it's been very helpful for Mm -hmm. him. Um, And then I found Julie about a year after I was in recovery. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> That's what we said when we found her, too. So, you know, you're not alone. We know the feeling. So, I mean, so great. I mean, you're a great example of somebody who you're taking a different path than your husband, but it's working. And I think there's a great point in there is that um, it may take a while to find something, but A, you have to press on and persevere until you're satisfied. Mm-hmm. And secondly, hey, just because somebody's a secular therapist, that doesn't mean that you throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, there's good therapy out there, and uh, it can come in different packages. It just depends on what your convictions are. Some people would really need a Christian therapist and wouldn't really be open uh, to anything else, and that's fine too. But the things that, th- that make therapy work, folks, uh, across different models, across different theories, is A, does the cl- a therapist have a positive focus on change? Are they continually checking in on, hey, how are things changing and, and how are things growing? Uh, B, how well do they fit with the model that they're using? And C, do you like each other? You know, Because if you like the therapist, it's probably going to work out. If the therapist likes you, it's probably going to work out. If either one of you don't like each other, <laughs> there might be a problem. And if you both don't like each other, then call Julie. Problem. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, great, Amy. Anything else you want to add, Amy, before we switch to Shanna? No, that's fine. Okay, we'll come back to you. Well, Shanna, you have been so patient. And uh, you know, and you're going to have to be a little bit more patient here because <laughs> Mike just raised his finger. I think he's got a question. I was just curious, um, Amy, where your husband is with brokenness. I mean, was, was he broken after he, re, he uh, revealed all that stuff? Or? That is a great question. Um, he was not Im- immediately affected it. I think he was scared by what the consequences might be, but it took about six months of, um, of, of working and being in recovery and therapy before he was really even ready to, to stop being defensive and to stop lying. Mm-hmm. So it was a long process before he even came around. So wow. 
It's a good question because I know a lot of husbands don't respond really favorably to um, being found out, mm-hmm. so to speak. And um, since then, it's been a slow process of kind of coming out of that denial. It mm-hmm. did not happen all at once for my husband. Right. And Amy, what was that like for you, knowing that you were not seeing the remorse, you were not seeing the brokenness? It was very, very hard. It made the grieving harder. It made... Um, keeping hope harder. It was def- I definitely had a lot of roller coasters. They talk about that in the first year or two of recovery, how it's like a, a big roller coaster ride, and it definitely was that for me. And how did you persevere through that? Then? Oh, I, <laughs> I think um, prayer. I think God got me through it. I don't really think I did that on my own at all. Hmm. Wow, powerful. All right, so now one, one quick question before we shift to Shanna. You are uh, coming back to the prayer thing a couple times, which sure tells me you have a really strong faith. But A, a lot of people don't have as strong a faith. And B, Scripture does tell us that you know in the sanctification process, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, we need to be sanctified body, mind, and spirit. And so what were some things that you did on the, the body and mind end of things, uh, the, the heart end of things, if you will, uh, in addition to the spiritual end of things? As far as taking care of myself right, during that time? Right, yeah. Well, to be honest, I um, I really didn't know how to take care of myself mm. that first year, which is why I really say God got me through it. Mm-hmm. During the process, I started to learn how to take care of myself, and I feel that I've learned that now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a continual um, thing to work on right now, but... Right. I would say finding, and I can talk more about that later, was another thing I wanted to say, was finding safe people to talk to. Mm -hmm. Great. Great. Important. All right. Okay, so listen, Shanna, you've been really patient. I'm not going to fake you out this time. Don't worry. (laughs) Okay. But listen, why don't you share a little bit about your story, uh, what brings you here today, and and where have you been, and where do you think you're going? Okay. Uh, Well, uh, I have been married now for 15 years, mm-hmm. and um, I would say that um, early on in our marriage, probably in the first couple couple years of marriage, um, some, I knew something wasn't right, but I didn't know exactly, um, you know, what what was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the dynamic um, between my husband and I was um, was tense, and um, when there was conflict, um, I just. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I just, you know, it was just such a difficult process, and um, we just, you know, could go for for uh, hours and, um, you know, just talking about things. And there was just, over time, I came to realize that there was just a lot of verbal abuse there. I um, so I just felt very beaten down, I guess. And um, but you know, it just uh, my commitment to the marriage was there, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also, uh, I think I knew, um, somehow that, um, that he, you know, was watching pornography, Hmm. but because, because the dynamic was so unhealthy, I just, that's not something I felt capable of addressing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think at the time, I guess because this is so not spoken, you know, in our churches or, uh, and in the world, it's so accepted that I just thought, well, you know, I, I think I need to close my eyes on that because, you know, the marriage is, is hard and maybe I just need to let him have that. I think it wasn't like I really had a conscious 
thought process of this, but I think now that I look back, I think that I, I allowed myself to close my eyes on that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so we just, you know, went through um, a few years of, you know, infertility and, you know, wanting to have a child. And then, you know, I had um, my first child and, um, you know, the, the marriage was hard and I, um, I really didn't know where to turn to, but I uh, found um, a therapist. Um, where I lived at the time, uh, a Christian counselor who um, I, I just needed help just to know how to live day by day with the tension right. that was all the time in the air. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, at the time, um, I was pregnant with my second child, probably when I found her. And um, I became suspicious that there might be other things going on hmm. with him. And um, just, you know, the hours at work were just so late, and uh, the type of work he does um, would allow, you know, would, you know, it would be easy to give a reason why he would be late, but it just was so consistently late, and um, and there was just more and more withdrawing in the relationship, and um, so I, you know, I talked about that as well to my counselor at the time, and mm-hmm. and she asked me if I thought he was having an affair, and I just thought, oh, there's just no way, you know, because because of the vows we had made to each other when we got married, it just seemed so unimaginable. Right. But um, but at some point um, during my second pregnancy, um, I just. I decided to talk about it. I, I, I had spoken to a dear friend, and we prayed, you know, over this, and she was very concerned about, you know, about the fact that that might be going on. And so uh, with much fear, uh, as you can imagine, because of, you know, the dynamic, I just I decided to go ahead and ask him about that. But, you know, he just flatly denied that anything like that was going on. So, um, and... Um, so I just, you know, I, I believed it. You know, I just, you know, I felt kind of ashamed in some ways, uh, ashamed of myself that I would even think that because hmm. he was working so hard, you know. Right. And uh, so um, I guess uh, we made a move um, uh, to uh, to Houston, and um, that's when, um, you know, the... I thought, you know, because the person that, you know, he was um he was probably having an affair with or that I thought I thought was having an affair with wasn't you know, in this in this new city. Mm-hmm. And um so anyway, so when we uh when we came here, uh the same sort of, you know, process happened where, you know, the hours were late and um he was on the phone a lot with a coworker. And um so I just I just became um again very suspicious. Mm-hmm. And um and again just you know my my very very dearest friend um uh, wonderful Christian woman I just you know called her and I just told her I said you know I think it's happening again. I mean mm-hmm. you know because it's I think somewhere deep inside I I thought that even though he had denied you know the first uh, the first relationship, I think I didn't completely believe it, but I had nothing to go on. So, um, so okay, I just, so, um, so, so, Shanna, you were saying that there were suspicions along the way you knew about, or you felt like you knew about the porn, um, there were affairs, and, um, and so what happened, let's just kind of go to the point where, um, 
you actually confronted him and, mm-hmm. and go from there. Okay. Um, well, um, I, I guess I, I just, I decided I was very much encouraged by this dear friend as well to, to, uh, to confront him. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any counseling at the time because I was new in town, so I just, I did. And again, you know, the, there was complete denial. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, but I, I just felt like that everything was speaking to to that. You know, the cell phone records. You know, there was just so many, so many things that were showing that right. there was there was something going on. So, like Amy, you had to trust your gut and really press through this. And you know, I'm really interested in the shame you talked about because shame is such a killer on both ends of this deal. You know, both ends of this deal. You've got addicts dealing with shame. You've got wives dealing with shame. What was that shame like for you? What was it telling you, and, and how did you experience that shame, Shanna? Well, um, I guess I experienced it initially just just the, the thoughts that, that you know, your spouse could be having an affair just mm-hmm. is shaming. I mean, it's shaming to yourself, and, and you feel you're shaming them, you know, in just thinking that. Right, and, like if, if this is true, then what kind of a person does that make me, or what kind of a person does that make my husband? Exactly. Well, yeah. And I mean, isn't that true? Doesn't the enemy love to use shame to cause us to stay stuck or to get stuck or to cause us to not do the the right thing? And shame always wants to uh, mess with our identity. You know, it wants mm-hmm. to tell you, you know what, you're bad or you're wrong or you're, you're less than or something like that. But it sounds like you were able to press through that somehow, huh? Well, I did, but I think it was very blurry because of the shame. Because, uh-huh. I mean, there's such confusion. You have so many conflicting emotions. Right. That you just don't know. You don't know how, how to think. You don't, you don't know if you're thinking straight or not. And right. just, it just adds to, uh, to just, just feeling horrible all the way around about everything that's happening, about yourself, about your spouse, about, you know, about your life. Right. Shannon, what has helped you to... Um just, uh, I guess, add some clarification to that, to that confusion. It, it, it was, it, it just, it took a while. I think it was certainly counseling. I mean, getting, you know, getting with the, the right person, basically finding Julie was really, um, you know, a godsend mm-hmm. uh, for me. But um, also being in a recovery group, being with other women that, you know, were telling me, you are not crazy, mm-hmm. you know, you, you are not insane. Um, you know what you're seeing is real. Even if you know, even if um, even if your your husband is telling you this is this is you know this is crazy making, it is not. Mm-hmm. And um, I I think I, I needed to be affirmed around me because I just I just had gotten to the point where I really had lost any kind of ability to to think through this. Right, right. So has has your husband ever come to the point of taking ownership for what he's done? Um, yes, but I think, you know, my process was a little different um, in that um, I, I, I did end up, because there was such denial for so long, and then, um, I, you know, I had given him a list of things I, ne- I needed to see change, but, you know, he would not admit to, uh, to the affairs. Right. That I just, um, I felt I needed to, to get someone to hire somebody to just give me the proof that I needed so right. that he could, he could admit it, because right. there was no way... There was no way he was ever going to uh, to tell me the truth unless I had something right. really tangible. Yeah, good for you. I mean, that's that's wisdom and discernment right there because some people need 
to be caught before they can be uh, in touch with the truth. You uh-huh. know, some people really need that. So intervention, you know, doing things like uh, some wives have gone and hired uh, private investigators. Uh-huh. Um, some have actually hired an interventionist. Uh, that's a very loving thing to do. It, it seems mean. You know, and certainly, you know, there will be a husband uh, or two out there that would say, oh, you know, you're just being so mean to me or, you know, I can't, you know, where's the trust or try to manipulate you that way. But, you know, that's being responsible. So I really respect you, Shanna. Now, if you're just tuning in, I, you know, you're listening to The Blazing Gray Show and we are visiting with a couple wives of sex addicts, uh, folks who have gone through their own recovery process as well. Pretty exciting stuff. I uh, want to let you know a couple things and then we'll come back to the dialogue. Um, but, you know, you've got a couple of intensives coming up in September, Julie. Mm-hmm. Are, is your marriage struggling similarly? Do, do you have these things going on and are you in a place where you're ne- needing some help as a couple? Well, Julie Dozier does a couples intensive and there's one coming up in September. If you'd like more information about that, give her a call at 719 266 6636. Now, isn't that easy to remember? 719-266-6636. All right. Uh, if you're just struggling with uh, pornography, masturbation, uh, adultery, uh, as a guy and you want to get around some other guys and get some help and that we're having an intensive seminar. It's an every man's battle seminar in Nashville, uh, July 13th through the 15th. So call me at, uh, 877-590-SOUL. That's 877-590-7685 for more information about that. Or just go to my website, healingforthesoul.org. But listen, I got a question for both of you, Amy and Shannon, and then we may be out of time here shortly. You know, we talk about redemptive vision a lot, and it's about what not just what we're recovering from, but what we're recovering to. And in fact, you know, just being on the show here today and giving back this way is a very redemptive thing. I mean, there's, you know, thousands of people that were here to the show, and they're going to be helped by your sacrifice and, and your story. Talk about what that does to you, and talk about you know how that feels to be able to give back like that and to be part of God's redemptive plan. Anybody want to go first? I can. Okay. I, I think um, that this journey is definitely something that you do one day at a time, and it starts with healing. Mm-hmm. Um, it moves into to growth, and it's really a lifelong journey. And I think while you're growing and healing, you eventually get to the point where you can minister to others and help other people who have had similar struggles or are maybe a little bit... Um, before you in, the, in their process. Right. So I think that's how God uses the pain. That's how he uses our experience. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you, Amy. How about you, Shanna? Well, um, I would say that even just, just the process of going through um, that kind of pain, you know, has completely changed who I am. And uh, it has made me more tender and more right. uh, aware of others' pain, whether it's, you know, the same kind of, you know, um, sort of life story or people that are going through very, very um, deep hardships. And um, so I think God has softened and changed me, you know, just completely uh, to become... um, you know, more more sensitive to others' pain, and in some ways, it does. You do feel kind of different uh, yeah. a little bit, and you you have a great need to be around others that that have experienced that pain. Right. So, um, 
anyway, it just you know, it's 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 a it's a great blessing, mm-hmm. you know, for me. Even though it's been hard to go through that pain, it's been a great blessing to be changed and be really touched by God's hand. And I hope that that He can use me to um, to touch others. Well, I'd say He is using you. Mm-hmm. So congratulations and thank you. I'm just proud of you, ladies. And uh, I'd like to just sort of, on behalf of all the men out there and the husbands out there who have offended their wives and gone down some of these roads, Mike and myself included, we just like to sort of make a symbolic apology to you and let you know that, look, it was not your fault. I know you already know this stuff, but I I just want to offer that to you by way of apology to just ask for your forgiveness and just say, hey, uh, I know you've been offended, but I know that you've also been very responsible, and I want to commend you for that. Yep, amen. Thank you. Thank you. I forgive you. Hey, I'll receive it. Amen. (laughs) Well, listen, thanks for tuning in. Listen, if you are inclined, you know, Blazing Grace is a listener-supported radio show. That means that Julie, Mike, and I pay for this out of our own pockets, and then whatever donations come in helps out. So perhaps you'd like to share the load. Um, It's probably easier to pay for something with 3,000 people paying for it than, you know, just three. And, you know, we would certainly love your support. So if you'd like to pony up and give us a hand, uh, go to blazinggrace.org and look at the uh, giving and support uh, link there. Um, and the, you can also ask Mike more information about that, mike at blazinggrace.org. We'll be back with the Wives Panel next week. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Blazing Grace Show. We trust today's broadcast helps bring you closer to God and to what God desires for your life. Blazing Grace is a listener-supported mission intended to help listeners around the world. Your support is vital in keeping that mission alive. We ask you to prayerfully consider sending a tax-deductible gift to Blazing Grace. It will be gratefully appreciated. Send your monetary gift to Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. That's Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. Want to learn more about Blazing Grace? Find us on the internet at www.blazinggrace.org. That's B-L-A-Z-I-N-G-G-R-A-C-E dot O-R-G forward slash radio dot htm on that page you'll find a downloadable copy of this show or you can visit oneplace.com under ministries look for blazing grace radio if you want help resolving a sexual addiction you can reach jason graves by dialing toll free 877-590-SOUL that's 877-590-7685 Julie Dozier can be reached at 719-266-6636. That's 719-266-6636. Get a copy of Mike's book, The Road to Grace, by visiting roadtograce.com. That's the word to and not the number. Desire for a specific subject to be covered on the show? Email Mike Janung at mike at blazinggrace.org We look forward to sharing more blazing issues and grace-filled answers with you next time. Thank you so very much for listening. Tell a friend about the broadcast. On behalf of Jason, Mike, and Julie, may God richly shine His grace upon you. I don't